0: welcome to Inside the Admissions Office, the official podcast of Ingenious Prep and your go-to resource for expert admissions strategy. My name is Noelle and each episode I'll bring you behind-the-scenes knowledge from former admissions officers about their first-hand experiences reviewing applications. Our strategies have helped countless students gain acceptance to top universities and we're here to help your student gain that competitive edge and do the same. If you would like to set up a complimentary strategy call, simply follow the link in our episode description and our expert team of enrollment counselors will work with you to create a personalized plan for admission into your student's dream school. Hi everyone. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode. I'm so excited that after much popular demand, Maya, our Director of Student Innovation at Ingenious Prep, is back with us today. And of course, she shared even more of her great tips like this one.
1: I usually say start small. Start at the smallest possible level problem with a lot of students is they start at the reverse and they start big about what the final outcome will look like and this how do you take your quirk and you develop it into something else to demonstrate not only ability but uniqueness i think that's really what we're talking about here
0: i hope you're ready and let's jump right in hi maya how are you today hi i'm doing well and you I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. So I am truly so excited to have you back on the podcast. I know on our last episode together, we got so much great feedback and honestly, a ton of questions. So it just felt right to have you back with us today. But before we get into everything, and I know we have so much to cover, can you briefly introduce yourself, share a little about your background with our newer listeners?
1: Yes, absolutely. Firstly, thank you very much. It's very kind, and I'm happy to be back here speaking with all of you. My name is Maya. I run the Leadership and Innovation Lab over here at Scholar Launch. And we mainly help students kind of create and develop their own student-run project and initiatives spanning a wide range of subjects. So it's not just business-oriented or STEM. Really, we have kind of a bit of everything. So if you have a niche idea or you think that yours might be a little bit unorthodox, I would really say that that's no issue. We probably can work with that. On a more personal note, I am originally from Singapore, grew up in Singapore, but I don't live there anymore. Today, I live in France. I really, really enjoy helping
0: with students work on this kind of stuff. Perfect. So last time we focused more on the concept of leadership, why they are so important for schools, how schools measure leadership, etc. But today I wanted to focus more on the actual doing part, right? So one of our listeners actually asked, and I quote, I get the importance of leadership and I want to start a project, but I have so many different interests and it's really hard for me to narrow down just one. So in your experience helping students, what would you give her as advice on trying to solve or figure out a project or interest to focus on?
1: I would usually say that it's more of which elements of your profile do you want to be in your project because we very rarely do projects that cover only one thing. So it should not have to be a choice between one of many interests. We probably can incorporate two to three interests. And I think that usually suffices for most people. Very few people have more than two to three passions. So I think that's usually enough. That's why it's so difficult to answer questions like, oh, I'm interested in X major. Do you think that my project should be Y? Because the relationship is rarely cause to effect. It can be, for instance, okay, my intended major is business, but I'm also a very prolific dancer. I dance like six days out of seven in the week. So obviously dance is a huge part of your life outside your academic direction. So what we should be thinking of is how we could incorporate your dance elements in your life already into a project together with your business interests. That will be the project that's unique to your profile. And I think this is the point that's very difficult sometimes over webinars to very quickly convey to everyone when I don't have enough time to properly explain it.
0: I think that's a great point. The whole aspect of creating a project that's unique to your profile. I think that's something we see across the board. Parents will reach out and say that they want advice on just one part of the application, but it's honestly really hard for us to give advice there until we see the whole application, understand how each part plays into one another. So I know the concept of the cohesive application is really something we try to emphasize with our parents and students. So that being said, are there other common mistakes or misconceptions you see when it comes to these projects, like perhaps a wrong angle to approach these projects? I just think that a very good way to understand this
1: could be people who WebMD their symptoms before going to the doctor's. I think that's a very good way to understand it. So, you know, you could technically self-diagnose and maybe you wouldn't be very off, but there is still a value in seeing professionals. If not, why do we still have doctors? So I think that an example that I can give is a couple of years ago, I had a student whose parent was very involved in, in her profile building and the parent was very proactive in suggesting project ideas for her daughter. And one of the ideas suggested was actually, should her daughter do something to do with advocating for race relations equality because of her specific profile as an Asian American? And this was against the backdrop of all the Asian hate going on in the wake of COVID. So the client thought that this would be a good project to do because it seems like it's the topic to talk about right now. That's not the best reason, in my opinion, to decide on a project, but it also didn't fit the student's profile. So this is an example to kind of demonstrate to you how from a less experienced perspective, certain projects may seem like good ideas, but I still think that it's probably good to sound your idea out against people who are unrelated to you, have been doing this for very long, have a more objective view about what could be a successful project. It never hurts to get a second opinion But when you discuss project ideas with say your friends, your parents, people who already know you, it could turn into a little echo chamber.
0: I absolutely agree. And I think your track record of being able to help students so successfully in creating these projects speak for themselves. So I'd love to walk through now the process of how you would help a student go from an idea to a full-blown project. Do you mind sharing a bit of your process there? Right. So I could
1: probably just pull this from recent students' occurrences, basically. I think I got this question at the webinar that I did recently. A parent asked, what kind of projects could someone interested in STEM do? If you're in STEM, um, a lot of the competition goes on in Olympiads, math competitions. So why would someone like that need a project? So in response to, let's imagine that this is also your profile. I know a lot of STEM-oriented kids out there. Imagine if this were your profile. You know, everyone else who's going for the same major as you has those competitions. If you are in competition, that means that there are other people. That's the definition. Unless you are literally the number one person in each of these competitions, that definitely means that someone was better. So, you know, that's an angle to think about. And also, in these fields, people tend to have very common profiles because of the same kinds of opportunities that you can pursue. Launch X being one of them, for instance, that got overly... Um, well, overly is my opinion, but it got really, really popular and I think it lost a little bit of the prestige. So. These kinds of profiles, what can you do to stand out? It's really by showcasing different sides of your personality, of your profile. For instance, not only am I a CS or STEM or engineering prodigy, I'm also a climate change activist or or something vastly different. Like I'm also interested in drawing my own anime, for instance, you know. So these are the kinds of quirks, quote unquote quirks, that's going to make someone stand out. Just quirks is not enough, right? How do you take your quirk and you develop it into something else to demonstrate not only ability, but uniqueness? I think that's really what we're talking about here. If I were to use, for instance, a different profile, let's talk about something that's getting increasingly popular lately, psychology. So, A lot of people who want to study psychology, and a lot of them do research, a lot of them probably have other adjacent interests like anthropology or like sociology. You know, people who want to do psychology tend to be interested in a couple of these areas together. So what could be a sample project for this person? We would probably take psychology, anthropology, as well as something personal. So to give you an example of a recent project like this, uh, one of my students actually is very interested in working with seniors. So her project was the intersection of senior care, anthropology, as well as psychology. So looking into the mental process of aging, how that impacts people from a psychological perspective. And then from an anthropological perspective, aging is a global phenomenon that's being studied academically. So there is a lot of research in that field and it's a very exciting field. And then lastly, from her own angle, she's just interested in senior well-being So she actually goes down to senior centers and kind of plays like 1940s music for them for kind of alternative therapy. So that is a very unique project that without understanding all the elements of your profile, it would be difficult to craft something like this. Once that kind of project has been created for you, hopefully with guidance from professionals like ourselves, that piece of identity is very difficult to copy because it's unlikely that someone else will be exactly like you with these exact same intersections.
0: Okay, so super fascinating. And I think a huge takeaway even for myself is when you think about a project, you often envision something physical, right? Something tangible. But you mentioned playing 1940s music in senior homes. And I think that's such a valuable and impactful project. So I love that you brought that up as an example
1: yeah actually, this is interesting, so we also have a lot of students who think that precisely kind of in the same vein as producing something tangible that they have to create an actual object or like sell something or come up with a prototype and like try and push it to market. For see that's a very small minority of the projects that we work with. we have all kinds, most of which do not involve any kind of invention. What's truly tangible is what this student leader has done or created or left behind in their time as a leader so actually very very small portion of that is tangible most people don't create stuff to leave on this world most people you know help out in their community they do something for someone in the neighborhood and those are the tangible things that we can talk about on the application so very often i think that perhaps there is more than one way to interpret tangible and students often pick the one that is less ideal
0: And I know we also got a ton of questions in your last episode about like, okay, I understand the importance of having a leadership project or just a capstone project in general, but where do I start? I saw a lot of questions from listeners who felt really lost overall. So can you walk us through the first steps of creating a project? What does that look like?
1: The first question is, how badly do you want it? I think a lot of students say they want it, but not truly. I think they just want the way that it looks on their profile, but they're unwilling to put in the work. That's very common. I don't blame them either because it is a lot of work and a lot of people are blindsided by how much effort, time and energy it takes. So you know, it's nobody's fault. The second question I would say is, you need to find a balance between what you dream of and what is possible. So a lot of students dream of projects that are not feasible. So, you know, sometimes students, they want to organize events at a scale that would just never happen because you're talking about like venue rental fees of maybe 15K for the kinds of events that you're talking about. So this is not something feasible at a student-run project scale. And having to explain that to them, it's not the easiest process because, you know, it's a very fair balance. It's a very tender balance between your idea isn't bad. It's just the skill is wrong. I'm not discouraging you. I'm just pointing out reality. So there's that as well. And then the third thing to talk about in terms of where to start would be, I usually say start small. Start at the smallest possible level. It's the same with to-do lists, the same with projects. The problem with a lot of students is they start at the reverse and they start big about what the final outcome will look like. Very often, people start projects with no idea what the outcome will look like. We'll see as we go along. And that should be the way. So for example, I'm going to talk about that this little hair clip thing that I previously spoken to you about, Noelle. But I recently have a student who just in her free time really enjoys making little decadent cream crafts. I did not know such a thing existed. Basically, it's cream that you mix And when it hardens, it looks like a little cream puff, but made of plastic. And so she likes decorating it with little charms and she puts them on metal hair clips and sells them. And so she wants to turn this into a profitable business. That's her project. Where might you start on something like this? So she came to me and we had a discussion and we decided that of all of the things that she makes, she needs to focus. She actually makes the other kinds of various accessories. So the first step that I told her was, I think that you cannot have too many things. Let's focus on hair clips first. I gave her direction on branding, on logos, on how to start her own store, on where she should start selling first. We kind of work through all of these together in a brainstorming discussion session before I organize a step-by-step list for my students in the little programs on how they should get this done, and then we discuss by when. And I also talk to students about a lot of elements that they may not have thought about. For example, family connection. Have you considered how your parents might be able to help you with this? And so very often, students are either not very clear what their parents do Or they simply have not considered that this is something they may be able to ask. For instance, students have their own networks. But sometimes when I point out to students, have you told your parents to use their networks as well? You know, this comes as a shocking news to my students. So little tips here and there at timely moments to kind of help you ease your project along. Think of it as someone pointing out a straighter path to you instead of having to go through all the detours on your own.
0: And let's say a student wanted to fully DIY their project. Are there any things that you see commonly missed? Think of it this way. In
1: your race that you are running right now, you are competing against people who know the judge. If you also have an opportunity to meet the judge, why wouldn't you? Why would you turn it down? So that's kind of the way that this operates. You can DIY your own project. You will probably have a rather decent project that I'm sure you're justifiably very proud of, but you would never know what else was possible. You would never know the hypothetical world, how big it could have grown if you had gotten a little bit of help. And imagine on top of that, if you add an additional layer of regret at the end because you cannot make up for lost time. But these are all rather philosophical discussions in a more real way I think that LIL can help in a few specific ways. One, pointing out pitfalls before you get into them. For example, in discussion sessions, you know, when students tell me about their interactions with their team members lately, and I listen to the conversations these students have, I can usually sense when something is about to go wrong. We help with global recruitment and global collaboration in a way that is impossible unless you have a very high-level view of what's going on in student projects globally. And adding on top of that, an insight into yearly admission trends, which I don't think that students do because they don't do industry analysis, which we do. So imagine the guidance given in the lab really kind of just overlaid with yearly updated trends that we see in terms of what students around the world are also doing in everyone's pursuit for uniqueness.
0: And of course, right now we are nearing the end of September and we're at absolute crunch time, especially for our seniors listening. And it might be a little bit too late for our early decision applications, but let's say for regular decisions, we have maybe around two months, if that, to get something valuable and compelling on an application, right? How is LIL the best thing if time is very limited?
1: I'm not about to paint a happy picture, so I do apologize for that in advance. At this stage, you can't take more APs. You can't take more honors. Your grades for four years of high school are set in stone you can't join more clubs, leadership positions are not available. So there is literally nothing else that you can do. You could write a enchantingly beautiful personal statement. But if you don't have the extracurricular profile or kind of the activities list to back it up, it can come across as very jarring, even sounding a little bit hollow, which is the last impression that you'd want to create. So my perspective is that obviously, the more time that you give us, the more we can do but in a very limited time situation, I think that Lil may be your best bet in the sense that it could at least help you set up a framework that would make for a more coherent profile, even if the time lapse is short. Noel is right, it might be a little bit tight for the early deadline, but between now and say early January, when a lot of the regular decisions are due, I think there is good time to make a difference.
0: And forgive me because we've been talking all about LIL this whole time. And I do want to take a step back really quickly and give everyone an overview of LIL. So I know we talked about our leadership and innovation lab last time, but do you mind giving everyone a brief overview of what the program is, your involvement with these students?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we offer programs in both individual and group formats. It's really a question of what is your best working style? Are you a self-motivated, intensive, fast-paced worker who also wants individual attention or you're okay doing it in a group setting? Or are you someone who's more comfortable with hand-holding a slower pace of work at one smaller goal at a time instead of getting overly stressed out. Under our group programs, we have the intensive and extended, which is really just a difference of working styles, as I mentioned. And so the corresponding amount of time is different. The intensive program runs for two months, whereas the extended program runs for four months because of the greater guidance provided. This instruction that we give in the program is probably only about 20% theory The vast majority focuses on execution, on actually making those projects come into life during the program itself. I'm very familiar, deeply familiar with the logic and the emotional toll of procrastination. A lot of my students do it. so Don't worry, if you're feeling that way, I have a lot of experience with this. It's a lot of guiding students along to get those project skeletons set up more intensively, of course, in the shorter program than the longer one. We also offer individual format lessons where either I deliver the course to you in individual format or it's just freestyle mentorship where you kind of are able to obtain time with me and we can talk about any subject is that you want.
0: And I know so many students flourish under your guidance. So I would love if you could share a couple of success stories that came from Lil.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I will share some projects that were featured at the club fair. So we had a student at the club fair whose project was called Lace Up Culture. And it was basically sharing his love for sneakers, which I thought was great. He basically like, goes into the history of different sneaker designs. He shares with people about how these sneakers are worth, what is the business behind them. There is a market for trading rare sneakers now. So, you know, you could technically do an analysis on the price of sneaker fluctuation over the last 10 years. It is a possible topic. This is a very interesting intersect between, say, finance and, you know, popular culture. Um, I thought this project was really great. Another example of a project is Hope for Hearing, which is a more typical, well, when I say typical, it's because you see this type of projects more. So it's a more common project idea of fundraising for charity for people with hearing difficulties. What's impressive about this project is the scale. So it's registered as a federal national level charity in Canada. For a student project, this is extremely impressive and it's spread nationally in Canada. They fundraise nationally and they help children with hearing difficulties all across the nation. So the scale of a project like this is really impressive. Other examples, something that we had lately that was a little bit more unorthodox was a student group called Potate. Uh, they are very into small animal care which is such an interesting topic. I've never had a student talk about this before. So I've learned a lot as well. They, they do awareness about small pet care and how to take care of little animals, how to design their cages. And they sell their own in-house designs for like hamster exercise wheels and stuff. It's very interesting. I mean, you know, it's a thriving business. They both fundraise as well as sell it for profits. doing very well. A last example that I can give all of you that is also a new topic that I recently heard of is pediatric care. In the club fair, there was a student who led a pediatric empowerment kind of initiative. I think she's pre-med. You basically teach people about various kinds of child care diseases, child-related diseases. There are not many students who are interested in pediatric areas. I mean, it's not a a common thing that people go for. Mostly pre-med students tend to be interested in either, I don't know, human biology or neuroscience or like the heart or cancer. But childcare is something I don't see often. So we had a student project about pediatric empowerment, which I thought was really cool.
0: I will say when I saw the name Fat Potato, it fully caught my eye because I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. It was so good. Now, before we wrap, I know you have so much wisdom and experience when it comes to these projects, but do you have any parting advice, any final words of wisdom you can give to our listeners?
1: I would like all of my students to be happy when they do their projects. Of course, there is hard work and toil involved, but at the very least, the subject matter should be something that makes you happy. So when I see students do things like this cream aesthetic hair clip, or I have another student, he's actually making his own animated series because he likes animation. Yes, you know, like making an animated series is difficult work. If any of you have ever looked into Disney storyboarding or how Pixar films are created, you'll know that it's hard work. It's frame by frame drawing. The subject matter should be something that you enjoy. It can be something super nonchalant or frivolous. Like I have some students who enjoy Korean dramas, for instance, and, you know, they feel that this is the furthest thing possible from schoolwork. Like it will never amount to anything. But that's not true because we have a student project that is started out as a blog for sharing feelings about Korean dramas because this student couldn't get over it. She started a review blog talking about her feelings about this artistic form and now she gathered followers because she had such an honest review. And so it's grown into a club where they get together and talk about their feelings about all of these. They discuss the themes that are involved and it has expanded into a whole Hallyu Korean culture thing which is very relevant to then her subsequent academic research, um, which was also about popular cultural trends. And so try to do something that at least in some way makes you happy.
0: I really, really love that. I know it's so cliche, but you know how everyone says, if you pursue something that you love, even if it is work and it's probably really hard work, it doesn't feel that way because you love it, you're passionate about it, you want to keep running and chasing after your goals. So I think that's really, really great advice. If
1: time permits, I thought I would share a last little anecdote with everyone here since we're on this subject. In my own application many, many years ago, my own passion project was theater related. And, you know, back then there wasn't this much knowledge around the consulting field. So the term passion project didn't exist. It was truly a passion project and I only did it because I liked it. It was a lot of hard work. And so I actually was very, very involved in my school theater and I wrote, directed and produced the whole screenplay for my school's annual theater production. It was like five months of hard toil. I think I slept like three hours a night. But anyway, why did I care about this? Because I wrote the script and I wrote like this sappy rom-com. It was my life's goal to have it like aired on stage. And so it was a lot, a lot of work, but I was so proud of the content, which, by the way, I am no longer proud of because I am no longer 16. But yes, using this anecdote to kind of prove to all of you that do something that you actually enjoy, then, you know, make the process easier.
0: Well, thank you so much, Maya. This was such a fun episode and I'm so happy I got to sit down and chat with you again. And I'm sure everyone listening was so excited to hear all of your amazing advice. We're going to close this episode with the one question I love asking all of my podcast guests. If you could give one piece of advice to parents of students, and this can be general college applications, not necessarily having to do with passion projects, what would that be? I've recently
1: been feeling a little bit more that we have too much tunnel vision. That's kind of a feeling that I've been having recently. wanted to tell everyone that if you are in app season right now, it feels like this is the toughest time there is. It will pass don't forget as well that you are also only this age once. So while you have goals to achieve, don't forget that this is also life that you are living.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you would like to speak with one of our experts, you can set up a complimentary strategy call with one of our enrollment counselors by following the link in our episode description. for more information and access to additional resources you can register for our webinars which is also linked in the episode description if you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode you can email me directly at noelle.kim at ingeniousprep.com thank you for listening to another episode of inside the admissions office and don't forget to follow the podcast so you're notified every time a new episode is available That's all for now, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.